This episode is brought to you by our friends over at IV O'Sullivan Healthcare. They've been the go-to for chiropractic care in Spartanburg since 1977. At Ivy O'Sullivan, they realize some people are nervous about traditional chiropractic care and they don't want to hear their joints pop during adjustments. So they have other techniques along with traditional chiropractic to help your spine no matter your preference. If you've been thinking about chiropractic, let me help you with that decision. My family and I have been patients for years and are grateful for the doctors and the great staff. They've gotten us up and running in some pretty difficult times. I highly recommend giving them a try. Plus, if you mention this podcast, they will donate 100% of your first day's fees back to Impact Sports. So give them a call at 864-583-3967. Again, that's 864-583-3967. Or visit ivosullivan.com today to feel better and to function at your best. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Say All That to Say This podcast. I'm your host, John Andrews. As many of you know by now, I released my first book back in November called Utterly Amazed, Stories from Outside the Boat. It's available on Amazon and our website, utterlyamazed.com. Just like this podcast, it was done in partnership with Impact Sports. It's a collection of the God stories we've seen him write over the past 16 years of ministry and the biblical truths he taught us along the way. For more than a year now, Impact Sports has been sending out a weekly devotional to a secure group of people, but for security concerns, they can't share those devotionals. Over the last year or so, many of those folks have said they knew someone that they would have loved to have shared that week's devotional with. Maybe they were struggling in some area that we covered that week. So starting a few weeks ago, I started partnering with Impact Sports on a new level. We are now sending out a weekly devotion called Thoughts from Outside the Boat from John Andrews. If you'd like to sign up and get that each week, you can go to utterlyamazed.com and sign up right there on the homepage. But whenever I begin a new venture like this one, I like to seek wisdom, and there's no better place to go than Psalms and Proverbs. And so I've been reading through Psalms and Proverbs since the beginning of 2022. Last month, I ran across David's words in Psalm 33, verses 2 and 3. David says this, Praise the Lord with the melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Now, I don't know how many of you guys listening play the harp, or you probably don't even know what a lyre is, or even how it's spelled. But just for your information, it's spelled L-Y-R-E. But I don't think that's the point that David's making. David was a skilled musician. We know that full well. But what David is really saying here is to play your instrument skillfully. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but God gave me an instrument to play for his glory. And he's given you one too. It might actually be music. It could be sports. It could even be business. It could be teaching or speaking. But David is saying here, whatever your instrument is, play it skillfully for God's glory. And there's only one way to develop that skill, and that's through hard work. So we've been talking with people with all kinds of instruments and how they are honing their craft so they can play it skillfully for God's honor and glory. Enter today's guest. Corey Helley currently serves as the volleyball director at Upward Stars Upstate Club and is here with us today. And Corey, I want to thank you for being here. Well, listen, um, the honor's all mine. 
And as long as I don't have to sing or play the lyre or the harp, we should be good. Yeah, uh, we, I don't. I didn't bring that today, so I left mine at home. So we're good to go. Uh, to give you guys a little bit of background, Corey was a college coach, college volleyball coach for 17 years, spending time at South Carolina, Furman, and then Wofford, uh, and was actually head coach at Wofford for the last 11 years that he was there. Uh, Corey, did you grow up playing volleyball? I did not. Um, I grew up in a small town in Illinois. And I was, I love sports and I played every single sport that, that a guy could play. Um, but at that time, I'm an old, I'm an old guy. At that time, there was no men's volleyball in the right. state of Illinois at all. So when you said you played all the sports, a guy could play, literally volleyball was not an option. Volleyball was not an option. Okay. Now, um, so I mean, I, so volleyball was not really something I thought about, except for the fact that I have four sisters, hmm. um, no brothers, four sisters. Where do you fall in that order? Three older sisters okay. and a younger, and okay. they all played volleyball. Okay. Um, so I was around it sure. uh, when they played. They played through high school. Um, and then my sweetheart, my high school sweetheart, actually was a volleyball player, and she ended up getting a scholarship to Notre Dame Wow! and had a great career there. Yeah. So um, volleyball was kind of around me a little bit, but yeah. certainly nothing I played at all. Um, and then I, then I always tell people that, I feel like I was destined to coach female athletes because I had four sisters. So right. I got a, a, a unique and early taste of what it's like to be around women um, and everything that... And female athletes. And female athletes. Played, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how did you end up... Um, how do you go from just being around... You having sisters that played and maybe a girlfriend who played at a high level to actually being a college coach? Well, there's there's several versions. The the shortest version I can give you is when I I went to the University of Nebraska, and okay. when I got to Nebraska, I just happened to meet a couple of the guys that were on the men's team, hmm. and because I was had been around it for a little bit, um, I tried out, made the team, okay, um, which was great. But it wasn't until it wasn't until a little bit later when the women's uh, assistant volleyball coach. Uh, came over to one of our guys' practices and asked if any of the guys would be willing to practice with and against the women's the girls, players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Nebraska's women's program is literally one of the top programs in the country. Um, and, you know, uh, they had some cute players on the team as well, you know, so that never hurt. So <laughs> yeah. I immediately raised my hand. So it, um, the journey kind of started there. And you know, I went from being basically someone who just practiced with and against the, the, the female players to by the time I was a senior, I was sitting on the bench um, in charge of certain things in the program, giving feedback to the for coach. The, for the women's For the team. women's program. Were you still playing with the guys? I was still playing with the guys okay. at, at, at that point, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, you know, about by my sophomore year in college, um, I went to college thinking that I was going to be an attorney. Hmm. But by my sophomore year, I just knew that um, I wanted to be a, a college volleyball coach and hmm. coach women. Yeah. Um, what Nebraska has is super special, and I wanted to try to create that wherever I ended up. So when you finished it at Nebraska, did you go straight to South Carolina from there? Basically, um, there was about a nine-month period where, okay. um, where I was up in Chicago, um, kind of where I grew up. And, but in the spring of 95, I actually got offered two jobs. I got oh, wow. offered a job at the University of Nebraska um, and at South Carolina. And Nebraska was great, and they ended up winning the national championship that year. Wow. Um, but I just knew after coming to South Carolina and spending some time in Columbia, I just knew that um, I was supposed to be in South Carolina. Hmm. Um, and I kind of felt like even back then, 
what what the head coach of Nebraska had done was just remarkable in Nebraska. Nebraska is one of the top states in the country for for women's volleyball. Really? I mean, it really is. Maybe the top. Like homegrown talent. Homegrown. Not yeah. just not yeah. just in Nebraska. University. Nebraska to this day, the best players that come out of Nebraska either go to Nebraska or someone someplace like Nebraska. Okay. And they win national championships with wow. those players. So, you know, I wanted to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And there are very few states that are uh, or that were underdeveloped. But when I got to South Carolina, now the University of South Carolina wasn't. The coach there, right. Kim Hudson, um, was a great coach and they had a really good program. But the state was 20 years behind, yeah. 30 years behind wow. of, of Nebraska. So I just felt this, this calling, if you will, or a pull to come to South Carolina. So I had never told Coach Pettit no, ever, uh, <laughs> and anything he'd ever asked me in four yeah. years. But I had to tell him no, and I took the job at South Carolina. Wow. Yeah. So I've been here since 1995. I, I remember vividly January 1st, 1996, golfing in shorts. Um, in Camden, South Carolina. You cannot do that in Nebraska. You huh? cannot do that in <laughs> Illinois and Nebraska. And I said, I'll never move yeah. ever to, yeah. to the Midwest. I'll never move back. So well, I've been here ever since. The South does have certain things yeah, to absolutely. offer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, how did you tell me, talk about the transition from South Carolina to Furman to Wofford to being a head coach and what that was like? Yep. Well, any young coach wants to be a head coach. Sure. So uh, Kim was a great coach. Um, she was very young, had only been there a few years. So my path really wasn't South Carolina. So um, she was terrific. I loved both my years there, but I was, you know, I wanted to become a head coach. Yeah. So I went to Furman uh, for a couple of years as an associate head coach. I thought that would kind of help my resume, if you right. will. Um, and my second year at Furman, the head coach at Wofford um, was Joe Bowman, who you may know. Yeah. But um, he's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer from the USC Upstate here in town. Um, he, and he was about 60, 61, 62 at the time. Right. And he said, Corey, look, I, you know, I'm going to retire in just a couple of years. If you come over to Wofford, I promise I won't be there that long. I promise you that uh, David Wood, who was the AD at the right. time, will hire you as the head coach as long as you don't, you know, as long as we don't mess anything up. Um, <laughs> so, you know, consider coming to Wofford. Yeah. Wofford was, as you know, just transitioning to Division One. Division One, yeah. You know, so this is back in '98, uh, you yeah. know, something like that. So we hadn't been Division uh, One very long. So I had my reservations, but I wanted to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Joe retired. They hired me in. Uh, like the fall of 99, I was, you know, I wasn't even 30 years old. I was wow. one of the youngest division one head coaches in the country, Yeah, um, you know, and spent 11 great years being the head coach there. So you stumbled, you grew up around volleyball, stumbled into it as a possibility for you uh, early at Nebraska. And then you go into coaching and you wanted to become a head coach. You achieved that at the division one level. And then you leave Wofford. Where'd you go? Why'd you go? Uh, well, in 2012, Upward Sports yeah. um, reached out to me and asked if I would be a part of a, uh, a group of people researching some stuff for them. And I had, I had known Kaz McCaslin and, yeah. and Bill Palmer and some of the other guys over there. So I said, yeah, sure, of course, I'll come over whenever you want. So I spent a few months doing some research with, with them and some other people on whether or not you know, Upward wanted to do a couple things. And through that relationship, they decided that they did, in fact, want to, to go in this direction. 
And one of the directions was to start a, a new sport at Upward, which was volleyball. Right. They hadn't done it. They had done basketball and they'd done soccer yeah. and cheerleading and some other sports, flag football, baseball, but they hadn't done volleyball yet in, mm-hmm. the, in the church or anywhere else. So they asked me if I would consider leaving Wofford and coming to Upward full time. And I've told people forever that I've never worked a day in my life. My, my, my job as being the head coach at Wofford was a complete joy. Yeah. But the last few years, I realized that I was actually enjoying the camp scene more mm. than the college scene. Yeah. We would have hundreds and hundreds of players come through camp every summer. And, and I'd get to speak to hundreds of athletes yeah. and not just 12 or 15. Right. right. And, I, and I felt this gnawing that I needed to do that more and more and more. Um, so when Upward presented this option, I was like, man, I, you know, I really feel like I need to do this, mm-hmm. that maybe, maybe, maybe God's given me a, 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 a platform, if you will, right. to speak to more people and try to raise up more people than just the 12 or 15. I loved pouring into the 12 or 15 athletes that I had at Wofford, but I just felt like this would be a unique opportunity for me to potentially pour into hundreds of athletes every year and dozens of coaches, do- dozens of adults and then all the families as well so in 2012 um i came to work at at upward Mm -hmm. and i've been there going on 10 years now so tell us about the up the the program at upward how many how many girls you have what levels and and you have guys now too yep yep we do so tell us about that so uh upward stars is a is a youth club that we have we actually have 60 travel teams we have 40 here in the upstate. In the, in the last five years, we've expanded to Savannah and Columbia. So we have about 10 teams in Columbia and 10 teams in Savannah. Um, primarily females. Um, 58 out of 60 teams are female. We got a couple guys' teams. My son's on one of them. So, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where um, we're dealing with all the top athletes in the, in really the entire state. We have we have families that drive up from Columbia. You know, a dozen families c- come from Columbia. Uh, athletes come from Charleston, North Carolina. You know, and we and and we just do it. You know, we just get after it. Do you guys um, you practice all in house? Yes, we have we have a facility. Yeah. Um, yeah, we actually have two facilities right. that we do. Um, our training and one's called the Luke, um, based off of Luke two fifty two, which is the Bible verse that our club is is founded on. All right, that's one of the very few, as you know, very few um, verses in the Bible that talks about Jesus as a teenager or yeah. as he grew up. Yeah, um, it talks about how he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So that is one of our, well, I mean, that is the staple of our club. Yeah, you know, we want we want all of our athletes to grow in those four areas. Mm. Yeah. Well, how do you how do you how do you accomplish that in your setting in your uh, your platform? You mentioned the word a second ago. How do you accomplish growing these young women and a few young men up uh, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Well, um, we do various things. You know, I believe in uh, preaching the gospel at all times and using words when necessary. When necessary, you know, yep. absolutely. So, um, really, it starts with relationships and how we treat people and. Um, you know, just kind of how we, how we go about our business. You know, we, we feel like, um, you know, everything we do needs to kind of go back to and honor God for what he's done for us. He's blessed our club beyond measure. Yeah. You know, so we just keep that at the forefront. We constantly talk to them about how uh, we call it SSB, how they're strong, smart, and beautiful, created mm. super unique and, and special in God's image with, with wonderful talents. Um, you know, every athlete in our, our gym has heard us talk to them about that, that sort of thing. And of course, we have 
we have things that we do. Um, you know, we have club wide church day. We, you know, and, and we, at some point, every coach will take an opportunity to talk to the athletes on his or her team about their faith. Yeah. You know, it's, but at the end of the day, it's just about relationships. So I, I love, this is a great segue, <clears throat> but you talk about the importance of relationships and using those relationships to, to show Jesus. You said that, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to show you Jesus. And if you ask, I'll tell you Jesus. Um, we have always operated from the uh, standpoint that relationships are a byproduct of sports, whether that's here locally or somewhere around the world. The amazing thing is you pull out a ball, pull out a Frisbee, pull out a tennis racket, you're going you're gonna to make a connection with somebody. You're going you're gonna to have a relationship. And, and you guys listening, some of you may be athletes, some of you may be coaches. Uh, all of you probably are fans of some team or another. And you think about uh, going to a big game and you're walking down the, the sidewalk and you see somebody else wearing the same jersey. Absolutely. You're high-fiving yeah. and, yeah, go team. And you don't have any idea who they are. Sports is a connector. Tell me about the overlap between sports relationships and the gospel how have you seen that play out in your years well i mean really from the earliest time i mean i I, like you said i mean sport is one of those things where everyone can feel like they're a part of the community you know i guess we're blessed to be in the south where um, a lot of people still believe so it's been it's been really cool to see how we can use something as simple as a ball yeah. to connect people and to and to point them to Christ. It really has. So it's been it's been um, really unique. I, I remember I was right out of college. I was back home. My mom. Uh, we were having breakfast. My mom said, "You know, Corey, I had a dream last night that you were going to work in a church." Hmm. And I thought that was really nice of my mother to say. But you know, I was <laughs> at that point I was going to be a Division One head volleyball yeah. coach. But I've realized over the years that. You know, um, you can use something as easy as a ball, mm-hmm. you know, as simple as a ball yeah. to have church yep. and to talk to people about the most important relationships that people can have. And that yeah. would be with, with God, you know. So it's been it's been amazing, uh, the connection and how they overlap and how once you develop the relationship, they, they're pretty seamless. They really are. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you look back in Scripture and Jesus never invited anybody to a church Right. He often confronted religious leaders in a church, but he never invited anybody to come to church. Uh, The early church in Acts, the church building looked very different. It might have been somebody's living room. It might have been outside under a shade tree. And you translate that into today's culture. Church is not a building. Church is the people. Right. And in your context, in our context, that may look like a gym. It may look like a field. It may look like a court of some some kind. Um, whether it's the early church, volleyball in the upstate of South Carolina or any other sport around the world, it's the relationship and the connection between the people and God's there in the midst of them. It doesn't matter what the building is. And I, I love that picture. You, you, I, I do have to ask you this question. You said that you constantly remind your girls they're smart. And I might, might be out of order. Strong, smart, and beautiful. Yep, that's right. SSB. It, yep. Right, SSB. So here's my question. 
with the two men's teams that you have, two guys. Do you, <laughs> sticking with SSB, I've been trying in my mind, trying to figure out what that might be. Do you say yeah. you're strong, smart, and burly? I mean, do you, what, what's, what's... I like that. I like burly. <laughs> I like burly. Um, that is funny because the guys are right there when we say it. Yeah. And we we always chuckle and I say, okay, strong, smart, and handsome. You okay. guys, you know, devilishly ha- handsome. I yeah, so... Well, if you wouldn't want to stick with the SSB, you, you can use burly. Burly, I, I like that. I, I like think, it. I think yeah. I'll start using that. So what's your day today look like? Well, it depends on the time of year. Yeah. And, and, and um, right now we're in the midst of our busy season. Um, so we have those 60 teams that are traveling off, you know, anywhere between 20 and 50 of those teams are playing every weekend. So I, I jokingly tell people that for the last 10 years, my Monday and Tuesday from January until July is basically being a sports psychologist or a family psychologist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's not far off. Um, and it's only because you know, when you have that many teams go off to tournaments, invariably you're going to have a couple of teams that underperform right. or a player who doesn't get to play as much or, a, you know, a parent who's upset about something, you know, losing or whatever. Sure. So I do spend a lot of time on Monday and Tuesday talking to coaches and athletes and parents. Um, I, I talk them back in off the ledge, if you will. Um, from the previous weekend. From the mean? previous yeah. weekend. Yeah. Um, so I'm a sports psychologist um, on Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday and Thursday, we get to kind of look ahead to the week or the right. next couple of weeks. We also not only have 60 travel teams, we also are the managing director of a power league, which is basically just a, a group of clubs that host events every weekend. Okay. So we're not only sending teams off, we're actually bringing teams into Spartanburg literally every weekend. It might be 40 teams one weekend or 240 teams the next. So Wednesday and Thursday is really busy just making sure the logistics of getting everybody where they need to be. And Friday, you know, I have I have three children. Um, All three are playing travel volleyball. How old are they? We have twins that are 14 and we have a 13 year old. Okay. So my wife and I basically... Every Friday, we're packing the car and, and going in different directions because I'm also coaching a team. So we have four different teams that we're trying to get around wow. to. And then my weekends are just, you know, either watching my kids play or coaching or, or, or both. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the Power League. Is that yeah, what you call it? Yeah, the Power League. Yep. So uh, when you guys are hosting tournaments here in town, that's not always upward hosting it. it, is, it it's a... It's a partnership, I guess. Well, there's uh, there's five or six clubs in the southeast okay. that um, when I left when I left Wofford and we started Upward Stars, I reached out and said, "Hey, look, you guys want to work together?" And you know, there's there's strength in numbers, right. and we could we could host you know events a couple times a month, bring bring all of our teams in, okay. build each other up. Other other clubs would probably want to be involved. So that happened, you know, ten years ago. So there's five or six clubs, but with the Star Center and the Luke, uh, yeah. and there's a couple of a couple of those clubs have nice facilities, but we use the Star Center and the Luke quite a bit for our for our Power League events. I think about you growing up with you playing every, and you and I play basketball against yep, each other. Everything right. else, so you're growing up playing every sport, and the way you said it is that every sport a guy can play, yep. and you're around female athletes in your home. You never got a chance to play volleyball uh, until you got to Nebraska. And so, and then you go from Nebraska to telling the Nebraska, no coach, I need to go to South Carolina where I can play golf over Christmas break. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but you're in shorts. You're, uh, in shorts, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, Got to add that. Uh, but you're, you're, you bounce around a couple of different schools in South Carolina and then you end up at, at Upward. So y- your, your journey has had a lot of twists and turns. Absolutely. And so one question I'm asking from all of our guests is this. If there's somebody who 
recognizes, even at an early age, that they have an instrument. One, I think we all need to get to that point. Just throw away the idea we don't have one. God's given us all a gift. Sometimes finding out what that is and how he wants us to use it, that's part of the process and part of the journey. But if someone recognizes they have a, they have a gift, but they don't know how to use it or where to use it or even how to develop it, what would you say? That's a good question. You know, and I have referred to myself as a doubting Thomas a hundred times in my life. And it wasn't until about 15 years ago that uh, one of my mentors told me that, hey, look, you can, you can take those frustrations and those doubts and those concerns to God. He's a big God. Yeah. I used to feel shameful when I would, when I would want to question, you know, what am I doing? You know, are you going to help me here? You know, yeah. and I'd feel, I'd feel so bad that I would even question him. And, and one of my mentors said, look, take it to God. Yeah. So I would encourage, first of all, um, anyone who's listening who might be struggling with, you know, what to do with their gift or how to find it, to take it to God. Take your frustrations, your doubts, your concerns to Him. Um, I would also say, and this has been really big for me as an adult, you know, our, our, our faith is based on faith. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we're called to trust and obey you know um and sometimes that's easier than others but i would but i would say that you know as you go through this you don't really you can't really tell how god has his hand in all this stuff until you're on the flip side of it yep so i would encourage people to try to recognize as often as possible as early as possible um how god had his hand in that and then you then you start becoming the person that's looking for that um so that's that's those those things have helped me taking it to God, and then just and then just having the faith and the and the ability to trust and obey that He's going to lead me down that path, and then trying to recognize um, when um, I do see that oh my gosh you know of course God had you know God that was perfect the timing was perfect yep. you know if that wouldn't have happened I wouldn't be here you know and and I and I. I 100% believe this, and maybe you and I have talked about this before. I believe that everything we do leads to the moment. Mm -hmm. And even like this podcast, I I firmly believe that everything I've done since I've moved to South Carolina, God has orchestrated. Um, I've worked really hard, but maybe it's led to this very moment. Hmm. Um, You know, so that that maybe would be an encouragement for someone who's trying to figure out how to use their gift. And I would agree with you 100%. Um, as we tell our athletes all the time, they are strong, smart, and beautiful, created very uniquely with God-given gifts, yeah. and they just need to they just need to use them. As a coach, and and you you just said this, and it sparked this thought. I would say that sometimes people's gift is helping other people find their gift. That's what a coach does, really. You know, uh, is finding their gift and then chasing after that and and obviously not in a shallow uh concept or context where it's all about me and it's all about my performance but you are strong smart and beautiful you are gifted by god and this is this is your gift chase after that and use it for his glory um but as a coach and you know not every coach but we can't do what we used to do right (laughs) and and so coaches have been there they've done that but maybe their journey is to a place where their gift is now helping others find their gift. Um, I, I had not planned on saying that, but you, you said that and it sparked that thought in me. And I love what you said about 
leading to this moment. And it made me think of Psalm 139. Uh, verse 16 says, your, you, uh, your eyes, sorry, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book even before one of them came to be. So in the context of just what you're saying and, and what we're talking about, we've known each other for years, and part of our journey is has led us to here. Absolutely. But then you think about, all right, we've known each other for a decade or more, um, but then you think back to the other decades that we've lived, and we've lived a few more, <laughs> right? Have, yep. And <clears throat> But then you go back before we even lived a decade, before right. we had even lived a day, God orchestrated it and wrote this day in his book before we even had one. And that's a picture to me of how big God is. That's right. And, and getting, it's hard to even wrap your brain around oh, that. Yeah. But that's, that's been in the works. A hundred years ago, before we were even born, God had this day, yeah. this moment already planned out. And to, to take it to, to those that are listening, don't know where you're listening, don't know if you're driving down the road or you're in your office or you're in class and you're supposed to be paying attention to, <laughs> to the professor or teacher, where this, where this resonates with people, where this falls on people and what you might be thinking or wondering or feeling right now, this moment that you're hearing this was designed before even one of your uh, moments came to be. I love that thought. I love anytime I can think about how big God is, it makes me feel better because I don't have to be, yeah, you know? Right. And, uh, and so that there's, there's, there's uh, encouragement in that, I think. Uh, one thing you, you mentioned, as you journeyed in playing and then coaching and then what you're doing now and using the sport that you fell in love with for God's glory and God's glory in the lives of young women and young men, maybe you're not able to do what you do right now if you hadn't done that before at a high level. And so I firmly believe that God gives us a platform. And you used that word earlier. I like to think of it sometimes as a as a volleyball. Let's call it a volleyball. I was about to say basketball. Let's yep, call it a volleyball. Yep. You, you've got a sphere, right? And everybody's got a sphere of influence. Now, you, my basketball might be bigger than your volleyball, so my sphere of influence might be bigger, but we all have people around us in our lives each day that we have influence on and those that can have influence on us. And so as we grow that platform, as God gives, puts more things in our path, as we develop our skill or in this context, our instrument, he grows our platform and he grows the people that we're able to have influence on. And your, your journey has been one that's, that's had some twists and turns and it's been a common theme and that's using, using sports for God's glory. And you're doing that with hundreds, hundreds, thousands of young ladies each year. I say all that to say this, God wants our very best and it's our responsibility to, to, to honor him with our best. He's equipped us each specifically for the task that he's put in front of each of us. Now, my journey was not volleyball, but your journey is not international missions either. And so th there's nothing wrong with someone having a different journey. It's the journey and the, and the task that God's placed in front of them. And so he's prepared us for that task. I could not coach a volleyball team, even a beginner volleyball team. I would, I, there's still some rules that I'm still trying to figure out. Max Lucado once said, God made you own purpose for a purpose. And I love that picture. And when it comes to your purpose, uh, you guys that are listening, listen to Paul's words in Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart 
as if you're working for the Lord, not for human, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving wherever, wherever you're serving, whatever your ball looks like. (laughs) Could be oblong. It could be small. It could be large. Your arena, your court, your field, it is the Lord Christ you are serving, not humans. Corey, thank you for being a part of this today. I've loved having you here. Uh, As a reminder, guys, we'll release these podcasts the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you're brand new to the podcast, go back and listen to episode one so you can learn a little bit more about uh, Impact Sports, what we do, but most importantly, why we do it. Also, if you want to sign up for those weekly devotions I mentioned at the beginning, Thoughts from Outside the Boat, you can go to utterlyamazed.com, sign up there on the homepage. Uh, Please subscribe. And share this podcast with anyone you think might be interested. You can rate us and follow us on those various social media, uh, excuse me, podcast platforms. And uh, you can follow us on social media, Impact Sports INT on Instagram and Impact Sports International on Facebook. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on I Say All That to Say This.